I guess the advice I'd give from having just gone through this uh, recently and doing the work to get through it is again, just pick something that gets you going. And again, it, it could be fitness, it could be learning a new skill, it could be welding. Hey friend, it's David Abinsky here in New York City. I hope that you, your family and community are doing the best you can during these days. Uh, I'm honored to share this conversation with you with Samantha Radakia. Um, Sam has a really extensive portfolio career. She's been a skydiver, an entrepreneur, global speaker, and as an author, uh, just to name a few of some of her uh, experiences and projects and work she's done. I wanted to talk to Sam about her process and experiences recently dealing with a significant career transition given the current environment that we're in and the personal work that she did in the last year during this and how she started to make progress during this time period. I thought this conversation would be very timely for us dealing with this new normal. In this episode, you'll also learn how Sam specifically wrote her self-published book if you are spending more time writing these days. And Sam also recently launched a new marketplace project uh, to help with COVID-19 crisis. And she also shares how this new normal could provide new opportunities for you. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Sam. Uh, So Sam, if we were to go to a uh, virtual event, (laughs) how would you typically introduce yourself? At a virtual event? You mean like my bio or what my name is? Yeah, just kind of how you would introduce yourself uh, if somebody said, you know, what are you up to, Sam? Or Yeah, I mean, I guess my name is Sam Radakia, kind of complicated last name. So I've gone by Sam Rad. That's just been a nickname for many, many years. I, I would define myself. I mean, I guess I don't really fit into boxes. So I say, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I've worked in a lot of industries right now. Um, my focus, I actually just launched a marketplace yesterday to help individuals who have excess manufacturing capacity or just people, you know, sewing face masks, things like that to, to get their products to frontline workers. So that's kind of taking up majority of my, my time right now. I, I just got back from Thailand before all of this started or while this started and have been really into, I I guess, fitness and spirituality recently. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, that's home front supply. Yes. So that's, that's as of as of yesterday. Amazing. Hopefully, you get some uh, subscribers and followers after this conversation. I would love to talk more about that. I also you talked about Thailand and spirituality, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, uh, well, many reasons, but one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was, I feel like a lot of people are now kind of adjusting to this environment, and. I got the sense that you had done a lot of deep work and spiritual work and kind of come to some more uh, new learnings and reflections. And I thought maybe we could kind of talk about that for people that are trying to figure out kind of adapting to this new environment. Absolutely. I think that's, again, where one of my favorite things to think about, talk about how I spend most of my time. And this, you know, of course, is not just a new development. Uh, for me, it's been a lifelong journey and will continue to be a lifelong journey. Um, so, you know, if, if I have any insights that are valuable or helpful to people in this time of uncertainty, 
or, you know, radical change. Um, I'm, you know, happy to share any stories or anecdotes that I might be able to offer. Okay. Is there anything that comes to mind for some, some, something that you learned in Thailand and, and that's a little bit more recent? Yeah. So, I mean, something that I, I can say that I've not been very good at um, looking at sort of my strengths and weaknesses and obviously wanting to, to focus on uh, personal growth over the years has been um, my abilities to maintain a routine. So, or lack of ability, <laughs> ability is perhaps a better way to, to phrase it. And so, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about, thought a lot about, and a lot of folks are talking about this hustle culture, right, in the startup or technology world where, you know, we might go on Instagram or on Twitter and just see, you know, people who've created, you know, 10 businesses and they're on every kind of under 30 or 40 or whatever list. And um, it gets incredibly overwhelming when you start, you know, measuring yourself against that. And And as I watched, you know, even the evolution of certain tools or the focus of companies now counting your minutes down to, you know, the fraction of a second and how do you get through your emails to zero and starting to turn people almost more like efficiency robots. Um, and that's not something I've ever been good at. I mean, I've certainly had challenges um, with what could be called ADD or, or what I like to call varied uh, generalist interests. And so to bring that back to Thailand, uh, about a year ago, I transitioned uh, from my operational role in a company I founded into an advisory role. And that was incredibly hard and taxing on me, both spiritually and emotionally. And it wasn't just the transition for me. It was also the fact that I watched something that I had helped build with a certain set of values and uh, a mission kind of turn into a different direction that I wasn't necessarily aligned with. So I went through a sort of grief process. Um, and in doing that, there was a lot of soul searching as well. So I had questions, do I want to, you know, am I right for making companies or should I make nonprofits? Or is, is this frame framework in general just make no sense? Should I do something completely different and reinvent myself? So the journey started um, in this capacity, maybe a year ago, almost exactly. So, you know, I spent a lot of time traveling. I, I do a lot of public speaking and educating and meeting folks around the world and went for actually a speech. It was one of my first big audience talks and it was in Thailand. And I just felt this incredible energy there, um, both culturally and spiritually uh, as like a, a people. And so I ended up finding my way back there with the main focus of working on setting ground one grounding myself in in kind of simplicity um so that i could create space to let any insights from you know the universe or whatever you want to call it just insights from myself from my inner being come out and so i took the approach of focusing more on physical fitness um and activities because i spend you know for myself spend a lot of time either plugged into a computer or in my head or thinking uh, versus, you know, doing things in my body. And I had been living in New York City and basically like cooped up in my apartment. Um, and no matter how hard I tried to go to the gym or get into any sort of routine, it just wasn't working. Uh, so I took myself there and I fully immersed myself in for what was three months of just, that's all I did basically 
you know, wake up and do a, a group class focused on, you know, HIT or Metcons or sort of like cardio activity. We did yoga, we did meditation, I had, you know, strength training. And again, it was literally all I did all day, every day for three months. And it was just incredible. Again, it could be any activity. I, I chose that one. And what was the most impressive thing, it wasn't the physical transformation. It was um, obviously the transformation within of finding, you know, groundedness, finding a routine that I actually enjoyed, being able to be calm and aware and present for conversations or for opportunities that were arising and to navigate difficult challenges. Um, so of course, I mean, coming back to New York and then immediately leaving uh, because of the COVID-19 virus and, and now going through this, you know, set of transitions that I am sure a lot of people are experiencing. Like I'm, I'm also in the same boat of, okay, now I found that I really enjoyed some of the social aspects or, or community aspects of, of fitness and feeling the energies of other people and kind of feeding off of that. And I've always identified it, but not to the point that I realized, oh, I actually really need that. And so to immediately switch in front of, you know, watching a pre-recorded hit workout on a computer hasn't necessarily, you know, it, it didn't work out. So I immediately was reaching out to friends saying, okay, can we do group fitness? Can we do group yoga? And I, I know a lot of people have moved in this direction um, and are, are joining people for, you know, Zoom classes. And so that's been really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been awesome to see all the different things pop up. And, and I've seen the Instagram stories and stuff that you've been posting and stuff. So it's been awesome to see as well. I guess, could you take, take us back to a little bit more of that, that moment before this current situation where you said you were kind of struggling with the change in the company and, and the values and something that you had put so much time and effort into and um, kind of maybe some of the practices, or how you started to become aware of that. And then how did you realize that fitness was something that would be helpful in uh, transitioning? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can think of two examples again in my life where I felt completely misaligned with, again, values or, you know, energies or vibrations, whatever you want to call it. But, you you know, the farther off of whatever um, a path might be, it's kind of like the game Marco Polo or hot or cold. You know, you, you can't really <laughs> tell necessarily what the path is, but you might say, OK, th this feels off or something feels off. And I had felt that way for a very long time. And so before even starting this company, before that I had left the city and I moved to Park City, Utah. And it was completely random. I just went there because I had always wanted to become an EMT and work on ski patrol and do that for a year. And if you were to think about it logically, it made no sense, but it just, my gut said, this is something I've always wanted to do. I'm going to follow my passion. And it led me to um, ultimately a, a situation when I was living in Utah that I I got into software development, I, I gained confidence, and it moved me to, you know, maybe my next stage or step or level. And so the same thing happened with the company I, I founded or co-founded. And when we started, it had very broad missions to make the world uh, a safer or more trusting or more connected place. Um, and like any company, you know, it, as it grew up, started serving customers that maybe didn't have that goal or would manipulate or use that 
you know, those goals for the interest of marketing. And I was, you know, a, a face of that. I was kind of creating the Kool-Aid for people to drink. And I, I realized at a certain point that I just couldn't, I was very misaligned. And so, you know, the transition that happened after that was, again, it was kind of on one hand sad uh, to grieve the changing or the loss of something that was, you know, had shifted directions. But at the same time, it was more, I'd say grieving for myself that I had allowed myself for four years or five years close to that to, you know, go down certain paths that were so out of whack and out of alignment for myself. And I was incredibly unhealthy, not just physically. And by, you know, physically, it's like I was schmoozing and whining and dining and kind of in this sort of vicious cycle. But more importantly, it was spiritually and psychologically, like I was a very unhappy person at the time and feeling feelings, um, you know, a key indicator I'd feel for myself when I feel misaligned is when I have emotions such as envy or resentment. You know, if I'm looking at someone else doing something or having success, when I'm aligned, then I only feel gratitude, excitement, and send positive energy. At times, you know, if I'm looking for a litmus test of maybe this isn't the right thing that I should be doing, I feel more negative emotions. And I was feeling that to, you know, extreme degrees. Uh, so again, I'm grateful for the transition. Now, in terms of thinking about what to do next, I mean, I I was not the best, you know, I, I wish I could say I completely knew what to do. And I've done this plenty of times before and I've gone through periods of transition and growth and handled it well, but we're all human. And so I took some time, almost, you know, whatever time I needed, but it was longer um, in hindsight than you know, it felt like a long time to get myself to a place that said, I just need to do something um, and focus on something that's positive for myself to build, build back self-worth and self-confidence. And, and just, again, a, a very basic sort of shedding of, you know, a previous skin or previous, you know, set of ego or experiences. And for me, I think doing something physical um, which I've always gravita gravitated towards, again, like the first time it was ski patrol. And before that, I, I was a skydiver. And so I just thought, okay, this is something that I can just get in my body and, and work it out and get super present. And so while I was in Thailand, I ended up getting, you know, getting very into scuba diving, which people had told me for many years, I guess, thinking because I used to do skydiving professionally that I would like it. Um, and I knew it would be a challenge for me because it's completely different. I'm like very high octane, very, very yang, like very fast moving. <laughs> um, and this was something that I knew would be all about kind of challenging myself internally, not to, you know, to like to feel calm with my breaths and to breathe slowly and to uh, not let your mind get in the way of things. And so, you know, it was challenging, but it was incredible. I ended up getting. Uh, certified a number of levels and really loved it and pushed myself to go deeper and to challenge myself um, and actually realized that I enjoyed more of the slow pace um, kind of contemplative uh, yin activities as well. So I, I think, again, just doing something um, in times of transition, because you can feel very, you know, 
nihilistic at times. Like, oh my God, my entire world just flipped up over my head. So in my personal experience a year ago, I was looking at buying houses. I was like getting a massive raise. I had built a company that was successful, the Series A. I was signing another five or 10-year contract. Like, you know, I had it. I, I thought I had this plan, even though it was a terrible plan. I was not happy, but there was some some degree in quotes of certainty. Um, and I know right now, I mean, a lot of people are are feeling like, you know, our world has been flipped upside down and, and businesses, you know, might be struggling to survive or you might be concerned about your job or, or have lost that job. And so I guess the advice I'd give from having just gone through this uh, recently and doing the work to get through it is again, just pick something that gets you going. And again, it, it could be fitness. It could be learning a new skill. It could be welding, uh, you know, whatever, whatever feels you know, brings out the passion, but grounds you also in the present and helps you, you know, shed layers of, of a past and, and build layers for a future. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really, yeah, it's interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, please go ahead, Sam. I mean, again, the, the biggest lesson and kind of the thing that I've worked on most of my life, and I think is the crux of a lot of uh, spiritual development is just you know, being present and grounded. You know, if we, we live in the past, we might experience things like regret. And if we're living in the future, we're experiencing a lot of anxiety. And this is a moment particularly, you know, I'm feeling of we, we're not even, I can't think about two weeks from now or a month from now. I don't think, you know, we're still kind of in as a country dealing with what are the facts and kind of a survival mode. But something that has been again, really a helpful skill that I've worked on is just doing things that ground me and keep me present because then I can see joy and happiness in every interaction in every moment of the day. And that's beautiful that really it doesn't matter what the outside circumstances or contexts are if you, you know, can find that, that presence. Yeah. I love that. I, I, and I love how you mentioned fear being as to some extent and emotions a little bit of as a compass mm -hmm. and using and channeling that towards uh, gratitude and skills and action. Yeah. I mean, usually I look towards fear. I mean, fear to me, I, I usually move towards it because I'm feeling it for some reason. It's either, you know, there's something I, I am on a path to overcome and I should lean into it. So one example is public speaking. I mean, I've grown up being always very deeply involved in, in theater and every time I get a part or like a lead part, I would get nervous. And then I'd ask to be the director. And I really got into directing. I love it. I love, you know, working with people um, and using emotions as their tools. I think it's incredible. But the thing is, I also really wanted to be on the stage and I was just scared. And I'd make these excuses like I can't memorize lines, um, which does, it's harder for me to do. But at one point, and this was maybe three years ago, I said to myself, I'm going to start saying yes to everything that involves speaking. I'm scared as hell to do it and stand on a stage. And I still don't think I can, you know, memorize stuff, but I just started doing it. And the thing and that why maybe Thailand feels so special to me is like, it was the first time I was in front of an audience of like, for me, it was big. It was 8,000 people. I, it was like very well produced, very, you know, fancy high caliber stuff like um, look out into a, a crowd with all of these lights and I just loved it and I felt so grounded and again another moment of presence 
um, and confidence. And that was something that I was terrified to do, but I leaned into it and I kept working at it. Um, so, you know, as, as you said, looking at fear as a compass, um, obviously not to an extent where you endanger yourself or, or you, you know, interpret actual fear if, if there's a reason to do so. So I'm not advocating for doing things that could put you in danger, but, um, you know, a healthy relationship with fear and understanding where it comes from, I think is, is a really good thing. And it might often show you the way of things that you really want to do and, have limiting self beliefs and are telling yourself you can't do for a number of reasons when, when in reality you have that power. And then to, to take that further, uh, speaking of having that power, you also recently wrote a book and I know there's also been a time for people, I think have been writing a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, and so maybe can you talk us about kind of the self published journey and kind of lessons learned from, uh, publishing your own book? Absolutely. Um, writing is another interesting thing. So of being brutally honest with myself, you know, the same level of discipline, uh, where you might have a fitness routine, it's the same thing with writing, you know, is just sitting down and doing it. And I am incredibly, you know, have had challenges with discipline with that in the past as well, or it comes out in, in weird moments of inspiration and usually written in my phone's notepad. And then when it comes time to like transcribe it into a Google Doc or blog post, I don't do it. So I found a process that really worked for me, which was a combination of, you know, voice notes or actually recording conversations and having them transcribed based on certain topics. And then basically then having a bit of, you know, written content to work from. And it felt more like editing than starting with a blank page. So the book, that was the process I took, and that was the process I used for a lot of my blog writing, um, doing basically, you know, 30-minute conversations like this, transcribe it, or basically a conversation with myself, but sometimes I'd have uh, a friend <laughs> or my girlfriend to help out uh, and listen in the conversation and, you know, just expanded that process and thought, okay, you know, for the book, what do people you know, what can I offer and what do people are looking for in this industry and, and the respect to cryptocurrencies and blockchain, it was, you know, something that was fun and relatable, um, a, a guide to get started that would help people feel confident um, and enabled with knowledge and, and not like turned off by deeply technical or alienating content. Um, so I just spoke as we're speaking here, I outlined, you know, chapters and, and just followed that process through. Ended up working with a team of folks who helped me with certain aspects like editing or doing the book cover, basically kind of ad hoc pieces of the process and, and then, you know, packaged it and worked on the marketing, which was a completely different experience than I've ever had. Um, you know, I've, I've built and marketed startups and software products, but I've never you know, worked on getting something out there that one, once it's out there, you can't change it. So as people's feedback comes in, they say, Oh, I, you know, I like this, but I would have changed that or, or even very antagonistic feedback. There's really nothing you can do with it other than, you know, sit in that discomfort um, and appreciate, appreciate all of the feedback. So, you know, that was a growing process. It never felt done. 
So if you're working on a book or you're working on a blog post, at some point, just put it out there. It's better to put something out there than, you know, edit away for 10 years and, and never share it with the world. And if you have, again, like a, you know, a, a gracious and appreciative network of people, I think people tend to just appreciate the content and enjoy reading it and, you know, won't pick it apart. Um, so that would be advice as well. Don't overthink it. And the, on the marketing side, you, you had some uh, interesting uh, approaches, given that the book is called Bitcoin Pizza. You had different pizza parties and, and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, that was, I, it was really, it, it was awesome to see. Yeah, I feel like I, oh, unfortunately, I'm always a little bit ahead of things, even in like the companies, the ideas that, you know, that we work on, they're usually like five years ahead of when they're mainstream where a lot of the work I do now is it's kind of, you know, futurist thinking. So help helping people see um, ahead of maybe their vantage point in the book was similar. Like we were making, I mean, the kind of the press around it was the world's first decentralized virtual pizza party. And so we were sending basically delivery or airdropping is the term in the crypto world of just kind of giving away for free um, pizzas to everyone to, to celebrate asynchronously or all day together on this platform and we were using twitter but we were doing video chats as well and sending in photos and uh, i feel like it was just a little ahead of its time now we're all doing this uh for baby showers and you know friday night hangouts and and you know yoga classes so it was certainly a fun marketing concept at the time maybe foreshadowed a little bit of what was to come so yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And I guess that's a, that's a pretty good way to, to kind of think a little bit more about kind of the current work environment with kind of the futurist lens and stuff. Where, where do you think there's, you, you mentioned a new project that you just started and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, but just kind of, you know, how are you thinking about what the next couple, next couple of months or could look like, or how people should start thinking about, new opportunities that could emerge from what seems like this current new normal? Certainly. I mean, I think as a first step, just, you know, starting to embrace the new normal. And, and I think we've transitioned from initial shock to, you know, everyone at home, uh, we're all eating all our snacks and baking a lot of bread. Now, maybe next week, we will get into some semblance of routine. I know for a lot of people, and I've worked remotely for most of my career, I've built distributed teams. I've seen a lot out there of people saying, you know, if you think this is any indication of what remote work is, it's not, you know, we're doing this in, in the midst of a global pandemic. And I know a lot of uh, people don't have their outlets that they typically use, whether that's, you know, community groups or going to yoga or fitness or taking a stroll in the park. And a lot of parents are at home as well with their children who are not in school. So it's, you know, we'll see what happens with remote work after this. I was just having a conversation thinking that, you know, the initial response is people fleeing the cities and then, you know, romanticizing living uh, in a more, you know, uh, rural or bucolic setting. And I've done that as well a few times in my life. But I think after that, you know, people will be itching for human connection again. I mean, we were already at that point um, where a lot of our lives had become disconnected and mediated through technology and uh, I think, you know, we might see an extreme rebound back to desire to have in-person or community 
events and maybe even more people after, again, maybe this isn't in a year or two years or five years, but still I think more people will move to cities for this reason. Beyond that, other opportunities that I get excited about is, I mean, we're now seeing a whole new range of challenges and problems that need solving. And that's a great, great uh, kind of task or environment for entrepreneurial people. I come from the supply chain and manufacturing industries. And so a lot of things I've thought about over the years is how do we decentralize manufacturing? How do we connect small producers together in networks so we can reach economies of scale um, and, and maybe localize thing, manufacturing, not just for efficiency, but mainly for sustainability of the planet. You know, the systems that we've developed based on the industrial revolution no longer work in favor, one, because of the size of our population, but also, again, thinking about the, the sustainability of society and, and the environment. And so I'm very excited to see what sorts of solutions um, people come up with as they move to more, you know, localized production. And, and that will be in response to seeing these supply chain disruptions or dependence on, um, you know, Chinese manufacturing or other countries. And I think people now are really waking up to see a lot of, of the problems. Also, you know, being on the crypto and Bitcoin side, um, you know, there's a lot of work already being done in the industry to create you know, digital or cryptocurrencies um, or currencies that, you know, are not baseless or, or upheld by central banks. And so, you know, those are areas that are exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, yesterday I worked on a project. I was kind of going very stir crazy. I've had, if you look at the projects I've worked on, either consulting or just advising people who are thinking of startups or like getting my hands dirty with them, there's like, 20 or 30 of them over the past year. It's kind of crazy. So I just figured I'm sitting here. I feel sort of helpless in, in some respects, or that was my emotions last week. And I said, I'm just going to do something, just start doing something and use my skills that I have in, in software, but you know, supply chain and manufacturing to put up uh, a marketplace, basically, you know, very simple concept to help connect you know i'm seeing these stories of people who are knitting um not knitting or sewing or go garment workers who have lost their jobs who are now making you know surgical or face masks or uh, communities 3d printing ventilator parts or you know small soap manufacturers or distilleries making hand sanitizers and they're all fragmented so i figured if we can get everyone onto a platform and then route that demand to frontline workers and of course, first, these are our doctors and our, our nurses and people uh, in the medical field, but there are also people who are stocking shelves in the grocery stores or delivering packages or, you know, driving uh, cars that people are using in the absence of ambulances to get their tests or to the doctors. So I just figured, let's start with that and see if I can, you know, do my part to help. So if anyone listening is interested in in helping in that way, it's um, very loosely structured as a collective, I guess, you know, nonprofit informally. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, that that's just how I'm spending my time right now to give back if I can. Mm -hmm. And that's homefrontsupply.com? Yes. Amazing. Okay. Sam, is there anything else that you think we should talk about? You mentioned kind of 
So Portfolio Career Podcast is all about, you know, kind of designing your life and not being tied to one job, one project, et cetera, and, you know, lifelong learning. And is, do you think that there's anything else that you'd like to share related to kind of designing your life and taking action I mean, and where we are these days? The last point to riff on the concept of, you know, the concept of many careers, if this was advice that I think my father and grandfather said when I was younger, and I you know, started the first company in response to graduating college during the 2008 financial crisis and feeling completely hopeless and not being able to get a job and, and having a number of these experiences. And their advice was that, you know, over the course of your life, you're going to have many careers, you're going to do many things, it's not one linear path. And I think now more than ever, um, particularly you know, the time I've spent in, in sort of these decentralized communities that are maybe loosely structured or, or not, you know, following the traditional organizational model, for people to embrace that change and to realize, you know, maybe you will be working on a series of different projects um, with a series of different groups of people. And, and the concept of maybe a salary or the concept of benefits, which we, you know, might provide some sort or semblance of security might might change and you might find security or need to find security elsewhere um, but I think they're largely positive changes that allow people to follow um, and embrace their many talents and passions so I would just you know embrace that and think about all of the other interesting ways that work and and leisure are changing Amazing. Thank you so much, Sam. Please let listeners know where they can follow up and support more of your work. Sure. Yeah. So I'm on all of the social media platforms, but most active on Twitter is Sam Rad Official. Um, you can also find my website at samradofficial.com. Um, and then the project that I'm working on is called Homefront Supply, which is at homefrontsupply.com or at homefrontsupply. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey friend, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Wanted to also let you know about my monthly newsletter called One Email Away, where I fundamentally believe that we are all one email away from new opportunities. And if there's a way that I could potentially help you to connect with other people, I would love to do that. So one email away, um, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. You can also see the one email away section, but just want to take this moment to say thank you for, for listening to this episode. Really excited for us to build and grow our portfolio careers together.